0: We want to welcome each one of you back to the Vintage Christian Truth Podcast, where we share real truth for real people to have real life in Jesus. And I'm Pastor Sam, and as always, I'm joined with my dear friend, Pastor Brian. And we're just so delighted for each one of you to tune back in here to our podcast. Um, We've been increasing. I just checked some of the data, Pastor Brian, and I think we're at 55 or maybe 58, uh, listened so far, and so we just praise God for just the humble opportunity to, to hopefully share His truth in such a way that it can build you up and and bring you closer to Jesus so you can have real life in Him, and, and so uh, we just appreciate each one of you sharing this and taking time to listen to this in your truck, in your car, going to work, wherever you may be, thank you for taking time, and we pray that we are a blessing to you now tonight we're going to deal with something that frankly most preachers are not going to deal with they're not going to touch it with a hundred foot pole we're going to deal with the very controversial issue of calvinism oh my gosh pastor brian we have had churches in this area that have got into all-out civil war over what is sometimes nicknamed it can be called reform theology It can be, it can be called the doctrines of grace. It can be called Calvinism, Augustinianism. Charles Spurgeon just called it the good old fashioned gospel, but the nickname Calvinism has sadly in many churches caused, you know, full blown civil war. Uh, can you speak to that and, and maybe why you think people get so up in arms and aggravated over the, the C word as if it's a cuss word?
1: I can, um. And and I've uh, I can sadly because I've been uh, unfortunately I've I've been in you know one of those where uh, where where this caused some uh, you know some some uh, some hard feelings some divisions, some uh, civil war is probably a, a good way to put it um, because many churches have split over this issue and I think I think the problem that that people have. Is uh, I had a I had a, a close pastor friend of mine that asked me one time, why do you think so many people have a problem with predestination? Because I think I think that's the, the thing that's <laughs> um and and you know I've, I told him I, I've had people tell me I don't believe in predestination. Well, well, go grab your Bible. There's there are numerous instances where. It's not inferred. It is explicitly said that God is predestining some things. Now, what now he's predestining, in the Bible, you mean that word Oh yeah. In the Bible. several several times and and, <laughs> and it's and it's uh, its cousins, you know, elected uh, or or elect or election or chosen foreordained, uh, you know, right. Four, like I mean there are numerous uh terms that are used in scripture to 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 denote God's sovereign choice. Now, um what I told my friend, uh, and this is what I wholeheartedly believe. Uh, Sam, uh, I don't, some of you might not know, Sam has spent several years as a history teacher and, uh, and, and you can probably, you, you would probably do a better job at, at using this illustration than I would because, because of your background, but, but we, um, we in the United States are a like there, i don't I, I don't know if there's any other place on the planet where where it's said so often that this is the this is the land of opportunity you can do whatever you want to do you can chase your dreams there are no limits to to what you, you know how high you can set your goals uh parents tell their children you can be whoever you want to be um you know we we we, we have a declaration of independence like like our our culture is built upon the idea that we can be who we want to be. And, 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 you know, it's a, it's a, uh, it, it very much is a, a culture of independence. Um, the women's rights movement was, you know, it, it's one of its slogans was, you know, revolved around the independence of women. Um, you know, we, I mean, we've, we've, we have heralded independence to great degree, but, but theologically, it would make sense that that if something says theologically that some things are chosen for us or if, if you embrace sovereignty, that God has chosen all things for us, um, that everything that, that comes through our lives comes through our lives because uh, because God is sovereign over it all. And he has purpose for all of it, uh, the good things and the bad that God has purpose for them. And that he is he has brought those First things thing. to pass, and so that very much clashes with our uh, with our uh, with our independent mindset.
0: And I think a lot of
1: people have a hard time with with quote you know, with predestination because they feel that it takes their independence away. And yeah. and culturally, that's just not something that that the that the West has celebrated at all.
0: Yeah, I think that's an interesting point from history because. You know, when most people, I don't know if you're listening, and we're doing theological jargon, so we're on Calvinism. You know, when when you talk about Calvinism, I think Pastor Brian's right. Most people think about predestination, which right. basically, if you want to know what predestination is, when most people that are not Calvinists, when they think of predestination, they probably think... That predestination means that every single thing has been already decided and determined before the world was made. And therefore, we have no free will and we have no choices. And certain people have been predestined to heaven. Certain people are predestined to hell. And there's nothing that anybody can say or do that's going to change it. And evangelism is pointless. Evangelism is pointless. You know that basically that our choices have no consequence. Um, that God is a cruel God and and he pushes people away that are wanting to go to heaven. He forces them into hell. Um, and so there's, I think part of the reason why so many churches have so much animosity towards the doctrines of grace, Augustinianism, Calvinism, which, by the way, if we're talking about history, the doctrines of grace, which in the modern term is nicknamed Calvinism, that was the predominant teaching on how God saved people. The church always taught and affirmed from the 1st century all the way till basically the 17th century. The church always taught and affirmed that we are saved by God's grace alone. It's all due to the goodness and mercy and, and grace of God and that the reason that we are Christians, the reason that we are saved, the reason that we are going to go to heaven and be with Jesus is not ultimately because we found God or we chose God, but it's because God graciously chose to have mercy on us, and He chose us, John chapter 15, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, He chose us. He chose to pursue us and intervene in our lives and change our destiny and it's all by grace, not because of how good we are or because of something we might have did or something he foresaw we did. The reason that we are Christians is all because of the gracious choice of God. Um, The church always taught and affirmed that until you you had Pelagius and that's a whole nother thing. You did have some false teachers along the way that tried to argue with people. Um, and then you had obviously the Roman Catholic Church got off the rails and started teaching salvation by Jesus plus your good works. Um, and then you had, J- uh, you know, Jacob Arminius, which we got Arminianism, and then John Wesley with Wesleyanism, which is a form of Arminianism. Um, and so basically, Calvinism is so misunderstood, and that's why I think there's so much animosity towards it. So. What I want to do real quick, Pastor Brian, if this is okay with you, if not, I don't know if it's been predestined or not. If not, you just tell me (laughs) if you can't do this, but I want to start out by asking you, the first, sometimes Calvinism is defined by five central points. Sometimes it's called tulip, but we might, you know, some of the wording, we're going to put a little bit better wording on it because again, it's misleading, but let's go through real quick, what is Calvinism, the five points, and I want you to begin with your take on the first point and explain what is radical depravity, what, what does that mean, and why is it important that we understand what, and when we say Calvinism, we don't mean John Calvin invented this. John Calvin is sometimes, I guess, you know, many people attribute this teaching to him, but it really wasn't him. It goes all the way back to martin luther past martin luther all the way to augustine all the way back to the writers of holy scripture because the bible clearly affirms salvation is of the lord it's all of grace uh ephesians Uh, two ephesians two eight and nine so pastor brian what is radical depravity um and how would you how would you explain what that means biblically and why we need to understand what that means
1: yeah yeah absolutely and and uh i want to I want to preface this in this way, though, if you'll give me just a second. Um, they uh, understand that, that, for one, this is an in-house debate. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, um, when, when I say in-house debate, I mean that, that this is this is a conversation and a debate that's going on between Christian people for for years years and years and and all the way back to augustine augustine had his naysayers and if you read john calvin's commentaries he quotes augustine quite a bit he was kind of a student of of a if john calvin were here today he would say well i'm an augustinian like like i mean you know uh so so all the way back to there was there was you know there's been debate over different things but this is a this is a family discussion about how God goes about His business of saving people, yeah. And so now, now Sam and I have settled where we are. You know, we we've, we've come to a place where we feel like, you know, we think this person is right. So, so when Sam and I, you know, when we have this discussion tonight, you're going to hear us say, this 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 is right. And and we think from a from a from the perspective of soteriology or the or the doctrine of salvation. We think Calvin had it right, and so and so we're going to say things, you know, that well, here's what you know Arminius believed or Wesley believed, and here's here's why we believe that's wrong. But if you're but if you're listening to this and you would you would more ascribe to an Arminian or a Wesleyan theology, if you go to a Methodist church or an Assembly church at, that affirms you know Wesleyan Arminian theology, don't feel like we're like we're saying that you're not a christian. Right. Don't, don't feel like don't feel like we're uh that we're hostile towards you at all. Uh you know we're we're just uh well like like you know Sam opens this thing we're we're teaching we want uh, we want this opportunity to share vintage christian truth because we believe in our heart of hearts that that it is that it's true that it's right and and that it's uh largely lost in a uh in a church that today it can be better categorized as an inch deep and a mile wide. Yeah. Yep. So to your, to your point, radical depravity or, or the T in tulip is total depravity. And, and when I hear total depravity, this one is not like I'm a Southern Baptist. This is one that Southern Baptist churches don't have a problem with at all, because what it, what it means is that, is that we believe the Bible teaches that man is so depraved or so sinful that he is unable to muster within himself enough virtue for him to be saved that that if that if we are to if if we if salvation is to come to me it must be from an outside source because i'm i'm hopelessly unable to do anything to save myself and and there are i mean there's countless passages of scripture that teach this probably probably what you get the the most thorough description of that from is from Romans one through about midway, about about verse 19 of Romans three, because in those chapters, it's a pretty thorough indictment from Paul towards all of humanity. And, and you know, the big discussion was Jews and Gentiles at the time. Paul pulled the rug off of all of them and said, you know, in Romans one, it was all of humanity is foul and, and wretched and sinful and and, and, uh, and can't save themselves because you can't obey the law. Um, you know that that uh, that the wrath of God is poured out against all unrighteousness. Um, you know that's that's Romans one. Then in Romans two, he, he kind of points to the Jews and says, "And you're no better because you've got this, you've got the law, you've got this, you've got that. You've seen the works of God, and yet you still you still suppress the truth by your sinfulness." Kind of reaching back into Romans one. And then at the first of Romans 3, he brings everybody back together under that indictment again to where he's quoting Deuteronomy when he says that all have turned aside, all have gone astray, no one seeks for God, there is none righteous, no, not one. And so, and so total depravity or radical depravity is a, is a biblical doctrine that says that you, I, and every other human walking the planet today is completely incapable of accomplishing the things that would be necessary for him to see heaven. Um, no, that's and, a- and so that's my, I mean, is that, is that what you're looking for? No,
0: man, That I think that's good. I, when, when I
1: think about radical depravity, I, I
0: think of the same thing you do. I would just picture it kind of like this. When the Bible teaches, see, the Bible teaches that when Adam and Eve were created, they were created perfect and good and righteous, and they had perfect freedom. Now, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, God cursed them. So that means they, you know, they began to die physically, but they also died spiritually. They lost all that innocence, all that righteousness and that Mm -hmm. holiness that they had. And as you read John chapter 8, Jesus says, whoever sins has become a slave to sin. So when they sinned against God, they died spiritually. And that's Romans chapter 5, verse 12. And because we are all from Adam, we are born totally corrupted sinners. That means we come into this world not as righteous, pure, innocent people that love and seek after God, but we come into this world as people that naturally love ourselves. We want to do what pleases us, what magnifies us. Um, And that doesn't mean that we're not capable of worldly good. We can do good to our neighbor and do good at our jobs and take care of our homes and our kids and our friends. We can do all that. But one thing that we cannot do because we will not do it is we cannot love God and obey Him and serve Him and worship Him the way that we know we we should. Why can we not do that? It is because we are born sinners. We are born dead in our trespasses and sins. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. And that's why Paul said if you go to Romans chapter 8, verse 7. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So it's so important that we realize that as we come into this world, we are born dead sinners. And that means that our hearts and our minds and our bodies are alienated from God. Ephesians 4, 17, Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 14, we will not receive the things of God. We count it as foolishness. We suppress the truth of God, Romans 1, 18 through 43. And so, in other words, we have to see ourselves not as sick in sin, but we are completely dead. And even though God reaches out to us, God wants to save us, and God wants us to follow him, We refuse to follow him because we love our ways and our pleasures more than we love the one true living God. And And it's it's probably worth noting. It's so important that we have to affirm that we are spiritually dead and that we are kind of like a dead man lying on the side of the road. And we are dead because we're born that way, but we choose to remain that way because we have no love and affection for God. And so it's so important that we affirm that because every era of of how God saves us, many times they want to say, well, like Pelagius, well, man is not born a sinner. He's born neutral. No, no, man's not born neutral. Man's born a dead sinner. Psalms 58.3, Psalms 51.5, we're conceived sinners. We go astray from our mother's Womb, Isaiah 53 6. We're all like sheep, we've all gone astray. So we are dead and we are headed for eternal death because we have broken God's commandments and not loved Him the way we should. So we are dead. And so, do we have free will? Yes, we do have free will, but our free will is in bondage to sin because uh, it's kind of like real quick, Brian. I'm never going to pull for Auburn during the iron bolt, I can't do it now. Do I have the free will to choose Auburn? Yes, but I love Alabama. And unless God changes my heart, I'm never gonna choose Auburn because I don't like Auburn. I'm an Alabama Roll Tide fan. So we Amen. have to see that we we come into this world, we are not a fan for Jesus. We are a fan for ourselves and our kingdom and our pleasure. And we may not be as bad as the guy next to us. But we're all equally unclean before God because we have failed to give him the glory and love that we know we can. So we are dead, and we are hopeless, and we are blind, and we are deaf, and we are headed for God's eternal wrath. And that's why we have to to emphasize that because if we understand that we're dead, then we have to move into, well, if we're never going to choose God, even though God's reaching out to us, and we're never going to choose him because we don't want him, Well, then God, here's where God steps in and he chooses to intervene in our lives. And that's where we're going to move to point number two. And Pastor Brian, I'm going to throw it back to you because I blabbered long enough. But point number two is sometimes called unconditional election or you may call it sovereign election. How would you explain sovereign election?
1: Well, and and, uh, I want to add, it's worth worth noting that... That Sam and I, uh, Sam and I took to our, def- our our explanation of radical depravity in two different directions that that are also biblical doctrines that are that that are absolutely true. Uh, I went more with a with our our sins or our transgressions, sins of commission and omission, things that we do or don't do that are that are anti God. Whereas Sam went to uh, what's commonly referred to as the doctrine of original sin that's taught very, very clearly in Romans 5 that not only is sin something that we, that we do, but also that sin is, is actually what we are. Um, and so, yes, it absolutely mandates sovereign election or unconditional election, which is the U in, in, in the tulip. Oh, you still
0: there? Okay. I'm still here, man. You just you broke up. You no, must well, been out I'm, grocery I'm shopping. Well,
1: uh, but uh, <laughs> but where I was going was uh uh, and I'll pick back up now. Okay. So so where where that leaves us is uh uh where where originally since the way is there where they say you and the tulip acronym you know commonly used to to uh, explain or or uh give definition or life to calvinism is is unconditional elect uh that god's electing purpose has has nothing to do with us it's unconditional uh in that in that it doesn't god doesn't say well if you do this or if you do this or if you do this i'll pick you uh and so you know one of the ways that's one of the things that's commonly said that uh that's that that isn't uh it doesn't fit. I, I'm trying to be careful as to how I it, it doesn't fit within where you know where we're at. One of the one of the things that's sometimes said is well God God chooses us because yeah. he looked in the future yeah. and saw that we would choose him. Uh I think there's there's yeah. a word I think it's prescience that's used to say that God will know what we will choose in the future. Well well what the Bible teaches is that God's election is not based on anything that we might do or not do. Uh, In in Romans 9, it's it said that, uh, you know, that that while she was still pregnant, uh, God declared that the older would serve the younger before they had done any good or evil. um, God God declared that the younger would serve the older. And and uh, and so it's not based on anything that we might do or that we might say or that we might believe or any prayer that we might pray or anything that we might decide to do later and we um, can't
0: and we and god's like, election like is based on his sovereign choice Accor- according to romans 9 right. i would just um, jump in and say and, if and you a, remember a that we are born sinners if god was going to wait for us to choose him nobody would ever be saved no- nobody no
1: yeah right right that's part of that's part of radical depravity uh is nobody nobody's going to choose him and, and as a matter of fact what What the way Ephesians one or Ephesians one puts this is that is that God has chosen us in him before the foundations of the world for the purpose of the praise, you know, the praise of his glorious grace. And so and so evidently God has purpose for, you know, behind his election, but his purpose behind election isn't based on anything that we do or don't do. It's purely based on on what what will bring him the most glory and, and that's, uh, I think people, people sometimes see salvation as, you know, its ultimate goal is so that, so that we can go to heaven so that we can have a mansion in heaven so that we can, God's go God's purpose and goal in saving people has nothing to do with us. Uh, we, we're the beneficiaries of, of salvation, but, but salvation is all about, is all about Jesus. It's all about God saving a people for his namesake. Um, and so there is no conditions placed on God's election
0: that says, "Well, if, case, if, election, election, says, well, if you do this, saying, or, if you do
1: this or if you do this, or if you do know, this, I'll choose you." You're, you're, uh, you know, his, you're,
0: you know, you're. What about those Bible verses that says, you know, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, or Romans ten thirteen, where it says, "For whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." We 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 affirm all those verses. God 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 is 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 sincerely first Timothy chapter two, verse four through six sure, God absolutely. desires all people to be saved that is god's will, his heart I mean his will of disposition, in other words, God's heart is that no one would perish that's why Jesus came. Jesus has enough um a power in his life, death, and <coughs> resurrection that he could literally right. save every human being that has ever lived or ever will live. Jesus can save you. And He offers you salvation if you will repent and trust in Him. He will justify you and and come to live inside of you by His Spirit and make you a new person, and, and now you're a child of God. He offers that to everybody. However, because we are all born sinners, right. and we all decide to reject God and His truth, no one will ever come by their own free will. No one will come because... They love darkness more than they love the light. And a dead man, if you have a dead man, the dead man, if you say, hey, look, I'm right here, if you'll just get up, I'll give you $5 million. Well, the dead man can't get up and get the money because he's dead. And that's the way the Bible, that's not Calvin—that's not Calvin's words, that's the Apostle Paul's words in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And that's why if you follow verse 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, You will see that we are dead. God offers salvation to to all of us, but none of us will come. So what God chooses to do is God chooses out of the whole world. All of us are fallen, wicked sinners, and we all deserve to burn in the devil's hell. We all do because we've sinned. However, God, to display his greatness, to, to more fully display, like Brian was saying, to more fully display his greatness and his character he sovereignly, that means he himself, decided to graciously and mercifully set his special saving love on certain people and set them apart for himself for his glory, not based upon their works because they have no good works, not based upon something that they you know, did in the future because we love sin. We're never going to seek God. Read Romans 3, 10 through 20. No one seeks after God. The only way that changes in your life and my life is not that we decided to choose Jesus one day. It's because God, in eternity past, chose you. And that's John 15. You didn't choose me. I chose you. First John, he says, we love him because he first loved us. Ephesians 2, while we were dead in our sins, but God quickened us. Titus chapter 3, verse 5, the washing and regeneration of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 3, we are born again by the Holy Spirit. So God takes us from being dead and blind and deaf and lost, headed for hell. He chooses in sorrow to pass over certain people and let them have what they want to have, which is darkness and sin, and they're going to be punished for their choices, Romans 2, verse 5 and 6. According to their deeds, they will be justly punished by God in hell. While if you're a Christian, it's not because of something you did or something good in you or something virtuous in you that attracted God to you and God said, oh, I had to have you on my team. No, we were all sinners. We're all from Adam. We're all in darkness, but he's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He left the 99 in Luke 15 and he found you. You, didn't, you say, well, i repented and trusted Jesus. Amen. Yes, you did. But the only reason you did that is because God the Father first chose you, and God the Son lived, died, and rose again for you, and God the Holy Spirit came and breathed life and changed your heart so that you could see the truth and know the truth and embrace Jesus as your God and Redeemer and Savior. So it's all by God's sovereign choice, so therefore we have no room to brag or boast and think we're better than others because we're saved completely by the gracious choice and action of God alone.